This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 206, Bank on Yourself Policy Loans versus Everything Else, Round 2. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. And we are back with another riveting episode to learn more about how bank on yourself type policy loans match up against other savvy loan arrangements out there in the marketplace today. Now, go back to listen to episode 205 if you have not heard it yet. Go ahead. I promise I'll wait right here. Got it? Okay, let's keep going. Now, today we're going to be looking into 401k loans, HELOC loans, and borrowing from your brokerage account and loans from other types of life insurance out there, such as indexed universal life and more. So guys, we have a lot of ground to cover. So let's get right on into it. First, which is better, a 401k loan or a life insurance policy loan? Now, first, a bit of information here that kind of caught me off guard. Did you guys realize that 13% of 401k investors have an outstanding 401k loan? That's according to Vanguard's 2019 savings report. So is borrowing from a 401k a smart move? I mean, one in 10 401k owners had to borrow from their money. That's surprising to me. Now, honestly, I think if you asked if this is a smart move or not, you're going to find some conflicting advice. Some experts say that 401k loans should be your very first choice. It beats every other way to buy stuff. Others like Forbes contributor, Colleen Oakley said the 401k loan should be your last choice. So who's right? Well, first, let's take a look at the process of actually getting a 401k loan. So here is the 13 simple steps. That's right. I'm going to give you all 13 steps to getting your 401k money out. Uh, so first, you have to get the six-page application, six pages of paperwork from Human Resources. In the application, you have to tell the company your employer, how much you need. You have to explain in detail why you need the money. You have to select one of the mandatory repayment schedules. Yuck. You have to have your spouse sign the permission form. Permission? I mean, come on here. Are we in grade school? You have to get a notary public, a notary public to notarize your spouse's signature. You have to also sign the promissory note. You also have to sign an irrevocable pledge and assignment of assets agreement. And you have to send this application package over to the company. The company loan committee is going to review that application. And if the committee decides to give you a loan, there's another hurdle to jump right there. The company will send you a check. And they'll also send you that payment schedule, a schedule of fees. And they'll tell you what the penalties can be if you don't make those payments as agreed. And then you should have your money in about two weeks or less. I mean, wow. <sighs> I kind of feel exhausted just reading all that to you guys. So I guess if you want a good workout, you can get yourself a 401k loan. <laughs> but honestly, uh, with a life insurance loan, you simply call or submit the request online to the life insurance company and you tell them how much money you want and where you want them to send it. You typically have your money in your 
checking account or you'll get a check in the mail in about three or four days, not weeks. And there's no government imposed limits on how much you can borrow out of a life insurance policy loan or what you can use the money for. So proponents of 401k loans say that if you're borrowing less than $50,000 out of your 401k and you can pay it back in a year or less, borrowing against the 401k might be best because it's the lowest cost way to get cash you need. Receiving a 401k loan, they say, is not a taxable event. And in fact, they say it has no impact on your credit rating. While they're right about the credit rating piece, I'm going to politely push back on this notion that 401k loans are not a taxable event. Now, while it's true that you can get your loan directly deposited into your bank um, from your 401k provider, and guys, it's true that there are no taxes due on that loan when you get a 401k loan. But let's think this all the way through, shall we? How will you be repaying that 401k loan to your 401k provider? How are you actually going to send money back to pay off the loan? That's right. You're going to be paying for it out of your checking account. What is your checking account full of? Well, it's full of after-tax dollars. All your checking account has after-tax money floating around in there. So let's say you're repaying your loan at 700 bucks a month to your 401k. As I mentioned, that is after-tax money going into your 401k, right? And it's going back into a tax-deferred 401k, right? Okay, so fast forward with me a few years. Now you're in retirement. You've already paid taxes one time on that money as you repaid your 401k loan. But do you think the government's going to let you get away with getting that money out now, tax-free, now that you're retired? Of course not. Of course not. You're going to be paying taxes all over again on the same money you borrowed now that you're in retirement all over again. This is one sneaky way to get double taxes on the same dollar. Guys, assuming you're in a 30% bracket, both when you borrowed the money and again in your retirement years, that's 30 times two. That's 60% tax on the same money. And that's about the highest interest rate I can imagine to the IRS, that is. So a life insurance policy loan is truly a non-taxable event. And as mentioned, there's no impact on your credit rating. I mean, boom, mic drop. We could stop the episode right there. But there's still more. Some people still love that 401k loan because it allows their money in the 401k to grow even if they borrow against it. Now, that sounds pretty cool. Where have I heard that before, right? While this is sort of like a bank-on-yourself policy loan in that your 401k cash being used as collateral will earn some contractual interest while the loan on your 401k is outstanding, it's typically below what bank-on-yourself type policies would earn. Maybe they let you earn about 1% or so in your 401k when you've borrowed against it. And let's think about what happens here. Let's say the market, the stock market, which has been on a tear lately anyway, let's say the market goes up 7% while you're borrowing money out. That means you'd lose all the potential growth you could have earned on that 401k had you not borrowed against it. You'd be sitting on the sidelines with your you know, measly 1% interest earnings while you borrow against the 401k, which could have an interest of 5 or 6% as of this recording. Yuck. So you're still moving backwards. The bank on yourself designed policy loans absolutely have no effect on your account's growth. Meaning if it's from the right company, if it's from one of the companies we'd recommend and our bank on yourself approved, 
even if you don't make payments that you thought you would make, your growth is not going to be impacted when you borrow from the policy. If you guys are engineers and want to see proof of this, look at the show notes on episode 110, and you'll see what I'm talking about there. So we've had now two strikes against our friend, the 401k loan. And remember, three strikes and you're out. So let's go here. Lastly, what happens now? What happens if you've borrowed from your 401k and then, whoops, you lost your job? What happens then? If you lose your job, there's a good chance your plan will require you to repay that loan very quickly. Otherwise, it'll be reducing your account balance and the IRS will look at it like a distribution meaning you're going to get dinged with taxes and penalties, not to mention all the loan interest that they charged you. Youch! So when are you most likely going to have trouble repaying a giant loan to your 401k or anything, you know, any, any loan? Well, probably when you've lost your job, right? So when you lose your job and then they make you come up with 50 grand to repay the 401k loan, it's pretty likely you're going to end up getting taxed and penalized for that money. And in fact, that's what happens. Those unemployed Americans are told they have to pay back that 401k loan with interest within one year. You have to get it all paid off by April following the the date of your termination at the employer, or you'll pay that income tax and a 10% penalty to boot. And of course, again, you have no income. So it's like kicking somebody when they're down. Policy loans have none of this. There's no required repayment plan on a policy loan. So I think this round uh, is over. Let's move on to our next contender, bank on yourself policy loans versus home equity lines of credit. So let's think about this. What is a home equity loan and what is a home equity line of credit? Well, a home equity loan is a loan you're using where you're using the equity that you've built up in your house as collateral. With traditional home equity loans, you're borrowing a, a lump sum and you're agreeing to make regular payments to pay off that loan. You know, this might be a close cousin of the traditional home equity loan, and it's called a home equity line of credit or a HELOC. This is where a lender, a bank, pre-approves some sort of loan amount where you can tap into the equity of your house with relative ease. You can borrow from this from time to time against your line of credit. You will be required to make regular payments to restore that line of credit. And then, of course, you can borrow it out again. As you put it back in, you can take it back out again. Now, if you already have a mortgage on your home, a traditional home equity loan will be secured typically by a second mortgage. So with a HELOC, you're not signing any mortgage deed, but you're still pledging your home as collateral. Let that sink in for a minute. You're still pledging that home as collateral. So second mortgages and HELOCs are riskier for lenders, so they typically will charge you a higher interest rate than your ordinary mortgage would have. Now that we've given you the basics on this, let's now compare life insurance loans to home equity loans and HELOCs. So first, what's the same? Both HELOCs and bank on yourself type policy loans will allow our asset, whether it's our house or our life insurance cash value respectively, to keep on growing as if we had not borrowed the money out. While we talk quite a bit on this podcast about how that works with bank on yourself type life insurance loans, let's just take a minute and consider how this magic works with a home equity line of credit as well. So again, there is no magic. There's no magic here. There's no Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Both policies and HELOCs use the same concept of collateral to allow your money to continue to grow even as you borrow against it. That's pretty cool. 
So if you think about it, your home grows and appreciates in your neighborhood, regardless of whether you have a mortgage or a HELOC on the house or not, right? If your house is, say, worth $500,000 and you have a HELOC on your home for, say, $100,000, then your home is still earning interest on all $500,000. Zillow, Redfin, and the others, they don't care whether you have a mortgage or a HELOC on your property or not. Your money in your home grows even on the capital you've borrowed. Now, this is precisely the same thing I say about bank on yourself type policy loans. Uh, So does that mean maybe we should rush out and all of us get HELOCs right now? Of course not. Here's a few reasons why HELOCs do not stand up against bank on yourself type policy loans. First, the house is not guaranteed to grow. Guys, a lot of us still remember what the word underwater means when it comes to our homes. All right. When, when your home drops in value and you owe more than your house is worth, it's considered underwater. So if you had to sell your house and you're underwater, you'd have to come up with the cash to right size your house before you could sell it. Life insurance cash values are guaranteed, unlike houses, to grow every single year And by contract law, you can never be underwater on your life insurance. That's the first piece. Second, what's the risk here? What's the risk? Well, remember, collateral is assigned with both the HELOC, the home equity loan, and policy loans. So what is the collateral? Well, uh, collateral, again, is what you agree to give up, hand back to the bank if you don't pay off that loan. It's sort of your pledge. You know, your home is the collateral for a home equity loan or a HELOC. And quite literally, and many people have, you could lose your home if you don't pay off your loan. Now, if you don't pay off your life insurance loan, you may or may not lose your life insurance policy. And that's not fun. And while, you know, even though you do, while it's not fun and there may be tax consequences, you still get to live in your home. You still get to, you know, drive your car around. They're not going to repo your car. The life insurance company does not send Uncle Guido to come repo your house or your cars or other assets. You'd simply lose your life insurance death benefit and your loan, your policy loan would not need to be repaid. Third, loan restrictions are a plenty with HELOCs and home equity loans. They require that you've built up a ton of equity in your house, at least 30%, up to 50% or more to serve as collateral. But even with that sufficient buffer, They can still turn you down and the lender might even decide to take away your uh, your line of credit later on. And and they have to take a look to make sure that you have continuous good income and a good enough credit score to keep that home equity line of credit where they could take it away. Life insurance loans, on the other hand, require that you have a life insurance policy that builds cash value, like a dividend paying whole life policy. And you've got to have enough cash value to serve as collateral, which happens really even in the first few months. As I mentioned, you cannot be turned down for a life insurance policy loan. That's you know not the case with regular home equity lines of credit. Fourth, what about the flexibility of repaying a home equity loan, comparing it maybe to a life insurance loan? Now, unfortunately, your home equity b- banker, your lender, is not going to offer you a lot of flexibility here. They're expecting a repayment on time every month. Now, it's a different story with life insurance policy loans. With life insurance policy loans, you can repay the loan on your own terms. If you got to skip a payment, just skip it. No drama. You won't get some black mark on your credit report. You won't find some overdue payment in your mailbox. If you fall behind on your home equity loan payments, your lender 
uh, or the holder of your HELOC may initiate foreclosure. So it should go without saying that a foreclosure or a court judgment is going to ruin your credit rating for years to come. And if you're forced to declare bankruptcy, you could kiss that good credit rating goodbye for up to 10 years. Again, life insurance policy loans have none of these risks. I hate seeing this with, with a lot of folks who come to us with big outstanding balances on their HELOCs that they can't repay. Fifth, and finally, the rug can be pulled out from under you. Your banker and lender can shut down that HELOC unexpectedly. Folks don't realize this, but HELOCs can be called. Banks can't call your mortgages, not since the 1930s. Can they, uh, can they take away your house unexpectedly? But they are allowed to call your HELOC. That means you have to come up with all the cash right away uh, to term out that HELOC, meaning you got to give them back 100 grand or whatever that you had borrowed out within a very short period of time, sometimes 30 days, sometimes 60 days, sometimes a year. Um, even though you've been paying all these big fees to open up that HELOC, if you read that fine print, if you guys have a HELOC, go read the fine print. You'll find that the banker can freeze, reduce, or even shut down your line of credit if any of a number of things happen. Let's say the home value takes a nosedive through no fault of your own. Or if your financial situation drops, maybe due to medical expenses, you're not making your payments to the HELOC on time. So if you're counting on the HELOC to finance home remodelings, fix and flip investments, paying for a kid's college, going on some other out ongoing project like a business startup, or you know that loss of the HELOC, that loss of your home equity access to capital might force you to make dramatic changes to your life plans. Again, life insurance policy loans have none of these downsides because quite literally you cannot default on a life insurance loan. You can't default on a loan because there's nothing to default on. There's no requirement that that loan be repaid. If you die with an outstanding policy loan, the loan balance with any interest is simply going to be deducted from the death benefit and the rest paid out to your family, income tax-free. However, and this is important, there is a possibility while you're still alive for the total amount you owe to equal your entire cash value. Okay, so if that happens, if you have the loan balance of 100 grand equal your cash value of let's say $100,000, the policy would lapse. And there may not be tax consequences in that case, and you just walk away from the policy, but there also could be tax consequences. So you want to look into that. That's a tree you want to try not to hit, so to speak. Uh, but I will say, you know, if you're driving down an, a wide open road and you see a tree way out in the distance, uh, how hard would it be to avoid that tree if you're trying to avoid it? It's pretty simple. There are ways to avoid that worst case scenario with this policy loan. If unpaid policy loan interest is becoming a problem, you have a bunch of options. In fact, we went into six options you have if you face hard times with these policies. So I'm not going to go over those again, but go back to our recent episode 203 if you want to hear more about that. Guys, the main point is you are the one calling the shots and deciding what to do with your policy if you get into a tough spot. So you are the one, not the mortgage company, not the HELOC company, who get to call the shots when you are your own source of financing. Next, borrowing from your brokerage account versus bank on yourself policy loans. Just as a bank can lend you money against equity in your house, your brokerage firm, if you have stocks in a brokerage account, they can lend you money against the valuable, eligible stocks, bonds, exchange-traded funds, mutual funds in your brokerage portfolio. This is called a margin loan. Uh, 
uh, and that's typically going to be limited to about 50% of your brokerage account balance. So if you've got $50,000 in a brokerage account, they'll loan you $25,000. Now those funds can be borrowed on margin and they can be used for lots of things. For example, investing some more. You know, active traders might establish a margin account as a way to take advantage of trading an opportunity when they don't have extra cash on hand. But if you borrow too much and your portfolio value declines before you can repay the money, well, you could face a hefty margin call, meaning you'd have to come up quickly with, with cash to make, make good on that maintenance call. Or you'd be faced with a large tax bill if it appreciates, if the, if the appreciated securities are sold to meet that maintenance requirement. In other words, you'd be forced to pay all your wonderful uh, stocks would have to get sold to cover the tax bill, as well as the maintenance call. So you might also borrow against your stocks for not just investing, but for everything else. It could be your luxurious life, you know, cars, vacations, more. A lot of very wealthy people do this. Uh, as with any line of credit, you can draw from and replenish a margin account for really any reason. So finally, guys, here's your chance to get your second yacht. What do you, way to go. A margin loan is a steady source of credit. You can be used for a short-term loan for any, any need you have. Unlike a HELOC, like we talked about earlier, or a 401k loan, there's no lengthy application process. And we went into this quite in detail back at episode 199, the buy, borrow, die strategy. So if you want to hear more about this idea of securities-based lending, go back and check that episode out. And I would say, again, a combination of very low interest rates that we're all living in right now, plus very high stock prices and, and aggressive selling by stockbrokers has made this securities-based lending strategy, margin loans and more, increasingly common. So wait a minute. Let's zoom out for a second. Americans borrowing against their overly inflated stocks at historically low interest rates to buy more and more luxury goods that they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't even like? I mean, hmm, what could possibly go wrong here? <laughs> well, okay, all joking aside, here's what can go wrong. The loan, the margin loan, can get called. If the value of investments you're using as collateral falls in value by some certain amount, you can get a call from your broker looking to bring that outstanding balance of the loan back in line with the value of your brokerage account, your collateral. Typically, this means ponying up a bunch of cash to reduce that balance of the loan. In many cases, you've got to sell a bunch of cash to get that uh, portfolio to pay down that loan. Now, all of a sudden, you're locking in losses. You know, the margin call happens because the stocks fell in price. And then you got to sell those stocks to cover your margin call. And that forces an action you might not have otherwise taken in your securities, your stocks, and more, reducing your investment returns. The things that people typically buy with securities-based loans will be houses, cars, luxury items. And guys, those are typically not very liquid, meaning that if a borrower is facing some massive cash crunch and that loan is called, they're probably not going to be able to find enough buyers to sell that second yacht to pay back the loan. But the good news for the rest of us who don't get to play this you know, high rolling game is that, hey, all these very wealthy people are going to be selling their yachts at a fire sale discount. So I guess the moral of this story is keep your eyes on eBay for you know, luxury yachts. Okay, so we've already talked earlier in the episode about how there's no scary margin call 
or forced repayment plan for life insurance loans. So I'm not going to reiterate that again. There's no repayment plan on policy loans. The key here is that there is no guarantee that the margin loan will be there when you need it. So we're really right back to Mark Twain's quote. A banker, he says, is a fellow who will lend you his umbrella when the sun is shining, but wants it back as soon as it starts to rain. Now, that is certainly the case with margin loans and securities-based lending. So knockout on that one. Let's move on. The next round, what about life insurance loans versus life insurance loans? Wait a minute. Okay, let's get into this. Now, there are some types of life insurance policies that are much safer to borrow from than others. So let's get into it. It's possible, guys, you probably know that it is possible to borrow from any life insurance policy that builds cash value. So that means any life insurance policy that is not term insurance can be used as a loan. But with some policy types, you could be playing with some pretty serious fire. So when you're considering taking out a life insurance policy loan against your existing life insurance policy, remember some of these key tips for your own financial safety and and your own peace of mind. So we've talked extensively on why universal life and indexed universal life insurance are not worth messing with for retirement income and for growth and a lot of the fees assessed to them. So I'm not going to go into much of that here. But again, if you want to go back and check out our mini series on universal life insurance, check out episode 59, 60, and 61 to hear more about this. But with regard to loans against universal life policies, universal life and indexed universal life policies have some significant concerns, and I want to get them out to you guys uh, in the next few minutes here. So number one, the costs for insurance and administrative charges in universal life and also indexed universal life policies or IUL policies are deducted from the policy's cash value every month, every month. And these costs are going to include insurance charges, policy charges, transaction charges, policy issue charges, premium charges, and costs for additional riders. And UL and IUL insurance contracts state that when those costs go up, the company can pass those uh, cost increases on to you, you meaning the policyholder, up to some maximum limit. This can cause the cash value to come crashing down and it can endanger your policy. The increased costs can also lead the company to increase your premium. If your premium on an index universal life policy goes up, You're going to have less cash value to pay down your loan, which could cause your loan balance to go up or your policy to lapse faster than it otherwise would. So again, there's significant changes happening, multiple gears moving when you're trying to manage this policy loan in a universal life contract. But there's another problem that sneaks up on unsuspecting IUL policy owners. It's one of those quote, good things that are promoted by universal life salespeople, which really turns out to be a really bad thing. So here's the, quote, good thing that's often used as a selling point for IUL policies. Most index universal life policies issued in the last few years are offering non-direct recognition loans. Now, that simply means that if you have a loan against one of these policies, that loan does not change the crediting rate on your cash value. I mean, guys, that's a really cool feature. That's what bank on yourself type policy loans have offered for generations. And what we typically recommend is non-direct recognition loans. But 
it can turn sour. It can turn bad because IUL salespeople often are implying that the policies will grow at some unrealistically high rate. I've heard many people say six or eight or 10% or more. And in fact, several life insurance companies offering IUL policies have been sued by the government over promising these unrealistically high returns inside the policy. So if you have a policy that's uh, only being charged 6% interest for a loan, let's say, and you've been led to believe that you're in your IUL earning 8% or more, then of course, on, on paper, you'd be money ahead. And you should take out every last dime you can out of the policy and go reinvest it. So why wouldn't you, right? But here's the truth. No indexed universal life policy has ever returned 8% annually over the life of the policy. And in fact, some years there's been no growth at all. So if you had borrowed, let's say 50% of your cash value, and in six out of 10 years, there was no gain in your policy, and this has happened before, I've seen it, then you could reduce your policy's value by 40% if that loan is not repaid. Suddenly you have a policy with less cash value than expected, while at the same time, you've had, you still have this massive loan to pay back. So the policy will likely lapse unless you have some resources, massive cash sitting elsewhere to pay down the loan to keep that balance from approaching your cash value. And in that case, you know, you're basically just forced to either cancel the index universal life policy or pay a big tax consequence. In this case, should you just cancel your policy, walk away, you know, save your bacon, get away from the loan that's, that's building up massively and massive expenses as well? Unfortunately, no, that's probably not a good option. Why not? Because the moment you cancel an index universal life policy, you'll owe income tax on every penny you've received from cash value of your policy that's beyond the premiums you paid. Here's a real life example here. Names changed, of course, but here's a real life example. John had a life insurance policy with a cash value of $400,000. He's paid $100,000 in premium up till now. And he's borrowed heavily against his policy. In fact, John owes $360,000 on his policy loan. Yikes. If John cancels that policy, or if the insurance company cancels it to pay off the loan, the amount John would have to claim on his income tax uh, just from this one transaction of losing that policy is $300,000. Again, $400,000 of cash value minus the $100,000 he's paid out of pocket in premiums. That would put John into the 32% tax bracket. That's a $96,000 tax on a policy he just canceled because his loan balance had been wiping out his cash value. So he couldn't afford to pay down his loan balance. So how's he going to get this money to pay $96,000 to the IRS? So it's a kind of a darned if you do, darned if you don't, to use a knitting metaphor. The, the concerns with variable life insurance policy loans are similar to those with universal life policies. So I won't go over all of this, but here's the, the quick and dirty. The death benefit or the cash value of variable life insurance would shrink rather than grow. Premiums might be increased as well due to the costs. And there's no guarantee that this won't happen. The insurance company has the right to change those factors on you. So with any policy whose basic components are not all guaranteed, borrowing from that policy is going to be quite risky because the policy's future performance is unknown. It's unknowable. 
Now, if your policy performs poorly, you personally will have to deal with the results, higher premiums, lower death benefit, shrinking cash value, which coupled with a large loan balance could cause your policy to lapse, possibly triggering a staggering tax bill. And that could be a serious problem because having used your policy's cash value to pay off your loan, you won't have any more cash to come up with the tax bill when, when all that phantom income comes your way. So to sum it all up, you know, the problem with universal and variable life insurance policy loans is that they have so many moving parts, but there's so few guarantees. Those parts are all going to move in the right direction in a way that's favorable for you. And that, my friend, is the downfall of borrowing from other types of life insurance. Now, why is it whole life insurance loans are so much safer? Well, with a whole life policy, all of the costs of universal life, index universal life, variable life, have been passed on to the insurance company. It's on the insurance company's shoulders. And the costs that you see are already accounted for and factored into your premiums. The insurance company cannot change any of the costs on the policy. So as a policyholder, you're not going to have any unhappy surprises. Everything in the policy is guaranteed except for the dividend. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it means your annual cash value increases are guaranteed. Your death benefit is guaranteed. Your premiums you pay are all locked in and guaranteed and can't go up. And with a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy, everything is guaranteed except the dividends. But here's the fun part. Dividends only make your situation better, not worse. All of the non-guaranteed stuff of IUL and variable life make the policies that much worse. But a dividend can only make your situation better. The dividend benefits you. You know in advance what your minimum cash value will be guaranteed. But there's a possibility of receiving dividends. And the companies I like to work with have paid a dividend without fail for over 100 years. So as we wrap up here, guys, let's do a couple of takeaways. First, consider making a bank-on-yourself type dividend-paying whole life insurance policy part of your overall financial plan. There is a massive amount of things that you need to buy in your life. Kids, college, cars, investments, paying off your house, your own retirement. It's going to happen somehow. The only question is, how do you make the purchase? So consider using bank on yourself, overpaying cash, and over other ways, snazzy ways of using loans to make your major purchases. Next, you don't buy a life insurance policy solely for the living benefits, of course. It's for your family if you die prematurely, but don't ignore the living benefits of bank on yourself type whole life insurance policies. One of those living benefits is the ability to borrow safely, safely against your policy for major purchases while that policy continues to grow as if you hadn't touched it. And while we've been talking about the loan feature, don't forget that the life insurance has other benefits as well, including tax advantages, right? Security and guaranteed growth. So I hope this has been a helpful mini series, two-part mini series for you guys. It comes from, like so many of our episodes, comes from conversations I'm having with real live families, individuals, business owners all across this country. And I would love to have these conversations with you. No doubt you've got some questions after these couple of episodes. Maybe you've found a 0% interest credit card you want to talk to me about. Let's put it to the test. Or maybe you're ready to get started on a bank on yourself journey and become a not your average revolutionary. Whatever your situation, I'd love to, and I'd be honored to sit down and chat with you for 15 minutes. You can go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting 
and I'd be happy to sit down and see what would be a good fit for you. But until then, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.